All right, what is up, everybody? Um, this is Nate with Structurally. Uh, we got the whole crew here. We're gonna get this thing started. Um, again, I'm Nate Jones. I'm the CEO of Structurally. Uh, we've got a great crew here from from Hatch Coaching and Jeff Chubb with Chubb Realty. Um, guys, I'm gonna let you guys introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your businesses, um, and let's get this thing started off right. Mr. Chubb, hit us with it. Hey guys, uh, I'm Jeff Chubb. I uh, I have a team. I run a team out of Boston, Massachusetts. We, we serve the whole Boston metro market. Um, you know, right now for 2019, our plan is to actually have um, uh, our goal, at least written on the board, is to have 60 agents by the end of 2019 and earn two other expansion markets. So in order to do that, 2018 has been a lot of um, uh, focus on kind of the technology and the systems and think in order for us to be able to scale. Uh, right now we have, including onboarding agents, 15 agents, um, uh, work for, yeah, I just made the switch from Remax to eXp Realty. Um, and that's kind of me. That's me in a nutshell. All right. I'll jump in. Uh, Eric Hatch out of Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, I have a couple of businesses uh, that keep me up at night. Uh, my main one is Hatch Realty. Uh, we are a team of 34 people. We run a, a, a different model, a really high service, uh, high specialization model. Uh, and so our average agent uh, on the buy side sells about 60 homes and our average agent on the list side sells about 100 homes. Uh, and so as a team, we'll do, uh, we'll finish this year at the end of 2018, we'll do about 680 transactions, uh, hopefully uh, crack the 800 number next year and uh, ha have done that with massive service, uh, massive systems, massive technology uh, to grow that. Uh, I've been out of production myself now for uh, just over four years and have uh, filled that time after building up leaders in our team. Uh, we filled that time with Hatch Coaching. Uh, I get the privilege of coaching some of the top real estate teams in the country. Uh, we started at the top and found uh, some of the people that we uh, were in the same groups with and started coaching them and have just got some really positive energy from that. Uh, and uh, so we built out some really important key, uh, I think, missing elements in a lot of real estate coaching, and that is uh, leadership uh, and ISAs. And so I handle the leadership side and Robbie handles the ISA side. Yeah. And just to add to that, uh, uh, Robbie T here uh, in Moorhead, Minnesota, which is a sister city with Fargo, North Dakota, uh, basically the same place. Um, reality is this. Uh, I started as an ISA with Eric coming up five years ago, Eric. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, that seems a lot longer and yet isn't that long ago. Uh, started as an ISA, um, was in production for about uh, two and a half-ish years um, and got out of production and now get to coach people full time. My whole goal is this. Um, at our coaching company, we talk about how we want to redefine the way people treat people. And Eric said uh, his job is to focus on redefining the way we pe uh, treat our team members. And my focus is how do we treat our clients? Um, so that's what I bring to the table. I get to coach a lot of really great people throughout the country as well, usually ISAs, um, agents, rainmakers, and help them uh, traditionally convert more leads and treat their clients better so that's what i get to do every day
Awesome. Well, I appreciate all you guys taking the time uh, to join us today. Um, what we're going to be covering is mostly in terms of how to scale your real estate business with technology. And I think this is a really good uh, spot to talk about this. Um, you guys are at different points in, in scale and in growth. Um, obviously, everyone listening is at different points in their growth in their real estate team as well. Um, that kind of, I, I wanted to start by asking, I want to, I want to preface this by saying I have a, I have a really strong pet peeve. Uh, I don't like it when people talk about growth and scale in the same vein. I think they're two completely different things. I'd love to get your guys' take. Do you guys see a difference between growth and scale? And if so, what, what do you guys feel that difference is? Hmm. I mean, I'll jump in. So I, I, you know, one of the things that I kind of realized is is I've been so focused on, I, 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 I kind of consider them one and the two. I mean, it's real hard to to grow um, unless if you are, you know, unless if you put the, the systems, whether that be technology or systems in regards to, um, you know, how files just work, right, or the people in place. You know, it's real hard to grow unless if you've you've kind of built out those businesses that can scale. You know, if you will, go from you know five agents to fifteen agents. Um, you know, one of my really big key realizations for me, uh, I'm reading the book Extreme Ownership right now, um, and and this is just something that was truly a key realization for me that I made probably like two days ago was, you know, we talk about scaling, we talk about growing. And one thing that I didn't realize was, you know, as you grow your business, you also have to grow your leadership skills ability, if you will. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm looking at myself and being judgmental myself because, you know, we're, we're our biggest critics, if you will. But what I'm realizing is that I um, I don't want to say I was a bad leader, but I also wasn't the best leader. I was called a mm -hmm. subpar leader. And I wasn't building my leadership skills as I, if you will, scaled my company. And so, you know, it's almost like with each person that you add on, you have to, well, grow your leadership skills incrementally, I almost feel like. And, um, you know, but I think growth and scalability are kind of one and the same personally. Yeah, I, I would I would see it from a different lens, uh, not disagreeing, but just seeing it, seeing it from a different perspective. Uh, by the way, I hate when I put my head down because I see just how receding my hairline is. Uh, so there's no growth up here. And so I'm scaling my forehead realistically. <laughs> uh, uh, here's, here's how I understand it is, is I can add 10 more agents and I can add a million dollars of GCI to my bottom line. But if I also add a million dollars of expenses, I've scaled nothing. Uh, scalability for me is, is, is understanding that if my expenses go up, this goes up, but not as high. I know a lot of people where their expenses go up or excuse me, their team goes up and their expenses go up even higher than that. Um, th there's, there's this massive difference, uh, between adding more and gaining more. And for me, scalability, uh, and Jeff was alluding to it, 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 it talks about leadership and it talks about, uh, the resources that you have. I think scalability is a reflection of time. Uh, it's a reflection of the resources that you have. And uh, as you're looking at the hours that you're putting in and the dollars that you're putting in, the only way that you're scaling is when there's a separation between the dollars and the time put in and a difference between the, the money that you have to spend and the time you have to put in. So the farther this, uh, this differentiates itself is the bigger we scale. But most of us just grow and then this grows right along with it. So we create more money, more problems.
Well, that's it's not, and I, I, I just to that point, one of the things that drive me insane about this industry are the agents that are only talking about this, and I don't give a, I don't give a crap about the high end number. <laughs> I only care about this number, you know. And what's amazing is, is that you know people will talk about, oh, I, I grossed you know two million dollars at GCI. Okay, so you did that, and then. And you find out that they paid their agents, you know, they, they were an 80-20 split. So it's like, all right, so to your company was only $400,000 in commissions that you could then divvy up and with all of your expenses. And I, I think that's a huge part is, is as you grow, I, I just, I, I get so sick and tired of this number. I don't care about that number. It's, what's this number? What's your true profitability? It's the only number that really matters to me and should only matter to everybody, right? So uh, I, I like to I like to summarize things with very very simple thoughts and, and for me uh, to really wrap up what, what both of you have said and, and Nate tell me if you agree with this growth is doing more with more because you're spending more scaling is doing more with less um, that's what scaling to me is is doing more with less of something so growth is more with more. Uh, scaling is more with less. And, and Nate, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Harder, not harder, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I think that's spot on. Robbie, I love how you uh, can so easily summarize things in such uh, short sentences. It helps me uh, It helps me understand them because I'm not as smart as you guys. But, Are you good, uh, I, I supposedly have tried it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah kind of my thoughts um, on scale versus growth. And, you know, keep in mind, this is this is kind of from a software company perspective, not necessarily real estate, but I think they're one in the same, but a business mm -hmm. is a business. Um, and this is a, this is a thought that I, I stole or I'm borrowing from our chairman who's taken two, uh, two companies, two software companies public. So that's the definition and epitome of scale. Um, he described scale or the ability to scale as, um, thinking like your comp thinking of your company as a spring. And when you're hiring, uh, when you're hiring, you're applying force on that spring. Mm. And if you, if you hire too quickly, you stretch, you stretch the spring out, you know, way too far and it will never, it will never be the same again. It can't mm. retract to be what it once was. But if you, if you've created the right systems, if you put the right leadership in place, um, it will bounce back almost better than before. And you can continue to use it and continue to grow. So I thought that that analogy was, was mm. perfect. Sure. Uh, and um, I'm curious to know what your guys' thoughts are um, and maybe taking it a step back kind of towards towards that force of applying. Um, you know, when did you guys decide to actually start making your first hires for your team? And how do you know who to hire second, first, third? Um, that wasn't in order. First, second, third. <laughs> and, um, how do you know how to continue to hire after that? Mm. Eric, I'm gonna let you take that one first because you're. Yeah, this this, this is uh this is one of my favorite uh, topics. Uh, I I was so gun shy when I hired my first assistant. Uh, I got into real estate full time in 2011, and halfway through, I was drowning in business. And I realized there there was the the sign of uh, when I didn't have enough hours in the day to do the things that really mattered to me because I was chasing business and I realized that I wasn't deliver, delivering the type of service that I wanted to to my clients. I went and hired an assistant. Uh, the mistake I made is I, I hired a college age person who was part time. And so I had limited capabilities there, limited skill set also or real world experience. 
Um, and then I gave her projects that I had wanted to work on, but I didn't have her leverage things that were on my plate. Uh, and that's realistically, I think the first hire is uh, an admin that takes things off your plate. Um, if I could go back and do it all over again, here's my five hires in this order. Number one, admin to leverage all the stuff off my plate. And it's got to be full-time, not part-time. Uh, if you hire somebody that's part-time, your business grows and you need them full-time, they can't do it. Or uh, they don't, they either they can't grow into it or they don't have the time and like you're just all of a sudden stuck. So first, full, first hire, full-time admin. Second hire, full-time admin. And the reason why we go full-time admin for the second hire is this is now the growth piece. This is marketing. This is helping you to get a little more momentum, understanding that my dollars per hour are the, the highest dollar per hour in our business. So the third hire, uh, the millionaire real estate agent would tell you that it's a buyer agent, and I disagree. I actually think it's a showing partner. You should have built enough money into your system right now where you can predictably pay three salaries. Again, keeping your dollar per hour as the highest ROI. Uh, then fourth hire is an ISA. You're now going and chasing after business that you've either started to purchase or you're going after uh, expireds and FISBOs and that sort of thing. And then the fifth hire is another showing partner because that third hire, that buyer agent that you, or excuse me, that showing partner that you had hired should be graduating up to be a buyer's agent. But why would you give somebody who had never sold real estate before or is brand new, why would you give them the keys to the kingdom and half of all those commissions that they're going to convert at a piss poor rate anyways? Why wouldn't you rather hire somebody that is uh, your sidekick and you train them and you develop them so they earn the right to be a buyer agent? And we use that partner model to grow. I, I think the capacity for somebody in that kind of model, depending on your market, can do 100 to 120 transactions with you as the only agent. Um, and, and then as the only agent who's negotiating and navigating. And then as you grow, you've developed really great, talented people who are vested in your system. So we started scaling now and now we have we have more admin per agent than probably any other company in the country because we believe in the specialization model and it's it's proven to be profitable to allow us to scale. And it's also allowed me to have a life where I've been out of production for over four years, continuing to make more money every year. Good. Awesome. I took a bunch of notes here because I just learned a bunch of notes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I your mind. I, I, I guess you know, to say I, I've done it wrong and I don't want to say I've done it wrong. I mean, I, I think most people, I, I, I think that there's, you know, maybe that's your Bible. I think that most people do go out and hire a buyer's agent as their first hire. I would just, I, I would disagree with that. I, I agree with the aspect of an admin and I agree with it being full-time. One other thing that I found out um, I would throw in there is a salary. Um, to me, at least in my market, the difference of quality of work between a salary versus a um, an hourly worker was just night and day. My first one was a um, was a, 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 you know just an hourly, you know, thirteen dollars an hour, whatever it was. And and then when I hired, I was scared. I was coming from a place of scarcity, and I was scared in order to hire somebody's salary. And then I finally did it, and the work product, the increase in productivity, the quality of of work or just increased dramatically. Um, you know, so that's definitely one area where I would, I mean, I've never hired a showing partner. Um, I did move over to buyer's agent pretty much right away. Um, you know, I, I, you guys are the ISA pros at it, right? Um, one thing that I've noticed that I've hired two ISAs and I've failed miserably, um, you know, to have that as, as number four, I think that's awesome. But 
I think everybody needs to know that that is literally probably the hardest hire for your entire team. And if you're going to do it and, you know, I, I haven't even you got used you guys yet. Uh, number one, Hatch Coaching is probably the best. Not not probably. It is the best ISA coaching company out there. Um, and that was probably definitely one of my shortcomings when I made that hire is, is I didn't invest in the person like I should have. Um, you know, with that being the most difficult hire, I mean, for you to say that you're going to train them as well as be in production, as well as going out on listing appointments and buyer's appointments, is just completely ludicrous. Like, so I mean, with each hire, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is there's a right way and a wrong way. And if you do it the wrong way, you're not going to eke out maximum productivity out of that person. Um, and, and you're just going to waste your time and your money. It's what it's going to end up being. You know, I think on the, 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 the schedule, if you will, the, the map of it, I, I mean, I think that will vary a little bit by market to market, but that's just kind of my personal opinion on that. <clears throat> yeah, I want to mm-hmm. I want to add one more, Pete, to, to really emphasize a point that we're getting at here is I think the way that we've brought agents into this industry is completely broken um, in the sense that we basically say, hey, quit your day job or whatever you're doing. Um, don't make any money for uh, six-ish months and really don't expect to make real money for at least 12 to 18 months. And that's a flaw. Um, it really um, was a big barrier from us attracting top-tier talent. What the salary did was it allowed us to get really top-tier talent to come in and at least have a safety net to begin with. And then with the vision of the long-term potential of making you know, agent money. Um, so I think the whole model has been broken and that's why the showing partner has worked so well for us is so it's a good transition. Salary. So yes. that's showing partner salary for you. Okay. Correct. Salary. And we're, we're at a point right now, Jeff, where that salary is paid for by the agent that they're partnered with. So it's Correct. a zero cost to the company. Yes. So, and then I mean, they, I, they can make I some more money from commissions too. I'm sorry, say that again? Uh, they can, if they bring in their own sphere deals, they make some additional dollars on those through commission as well. So they can make, you know, some extra dollars as well. So I, I know you're in a different market than, I, I mean, you know, I'm in one of the most expensive metro areas in the country. So just out of curiosity in your market, what's somebody like that salary bonus? <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, our, our average price points here is 230,000 bucks. Uh, the average wage of somebody coming out of college is about 30,000 bucks. We're right in that range. Gotcha. And yep. so as a showing partner, are, are they prospecting at all? Are they on the phone prospect? Or are they just literally showing houses? They have, they have three priorities in this order. Number one is they're there to leverage their agents. Uh, and so that means inspections, showings, that sort of thing. The second is they're there to train because we know they are our bench players and they're our next uh, phase of talent. And the third is they're there to prospect and lead generate. And the only way they can graduate uh, up is either we have somebody who has left the company, we have enough growth, or they force us by by bringing in at least X number of deals from their sphere um, uh, coming up. So I'll give you a very brief synopsis. We lost five of our eight buyer agents this year, and we will sell more houses this year than we did last year. And the reason why is because of the bench and because of the showing partner model. Mm-hmm. So Nate, we're getting off track here. Let's uh, let's maybe rope it back in because we have a, a lot to dive in, and people are wanting. That's and fun. Jeff, we can talk off this, but I just wanna I wanna let our high D's simmer just a little bit. And let Nate's high C come back. <laughs> I, I was learning. I was trying to learn. I, I forgot. I thought I was just like. Just all, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. 
No, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I was I was along for the ride too. I thought this kind of fits perfectly in line with with our uh, our discussion on how to scale. Um, I I don't know. I know there's some some new questions that have come in. Uh, do we want to kind of transit? I think one question that I did want to ask you guys, and maybe yeah. we've covered it before, maybe we haven't, but what are what are kind of uh, some of the signs to look for um, when you're when you're just starting to to hire those first five hires, Eric? How do you know yep. when you can make that first hire? And then after you make those first five hires, you know your sixth plus hire. Um, how do you know when that time is is right? Uh, the second you're starting to wonder if you need to hire, uh, you're already too late. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Jeff, you can attest, right? You've been doing this a long time. Is the minute you think, boy, do I need another hire? You've already lost tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of business, and you've worked too much. And, and it's really having a strategic plan and knowing when to play red light and green light with it. And so, uh, the idea of leading with revenue on everything that you do is going to be important. Um, for me, I, I think when you hire your first admin, uh, that's an expense of anywhere from probably two to $4,000 a month, depending on your market. And that's a really scary thing. I was, I was 30 years old and was unsure of my success in real estate. And the idea of bringing somebody on at like $10 an hour scared the bejesus out of me. And I'm at such a point now where I'm understanding that. I value my time so much more than I ever did. And so I want to have scalability in everything that I do. I don't, I don't get me wrong. I'm a delicate flower. So things like mechanically aren't right for me anyways, but like I don't blow my own snow and I don't mow my own yard because it's going to cost me 50 bucks to hire that out. And my time is worth more than $50 an hour. And so that kind of scalability piece has to exist, especially in your business. You talk about that 80-20 rule, and, and most of us in our business in an eight-hour business day are probably spending far too much time in our 80% of the stuff we're not great at versus the 20%, which is our really high income producing time. And so when I talked about the scalability of those first five hires, those are still keeping me or you, the rainmaker, as the person at the highest dollar per hour. And you're not giving that opportunity to somebody else until they earn that from you. And so it protects your dollars. Um, I, I coach a lot of people and some of them have teams of 20 and 30 people. And if you take their production out of it, they're losing money as teams. And it's happening all over the industry right now that people are growing, but they're not scaling uh, appropriately. And something has to happen. And, and, and the thing that we have to do is we have to look to say, where is my highest dollar per hour value? And how do I start hiring around that? Making sure that you're using your income. And then there's a, there's a point when you have to start paying yourself a salary and then you pay yourself in a different bucket. I, Cause there's, there's three buckets when you own a real estate team, there's, I'm a producer bucket. Uh, and that should be a separate LLC. That should be a separate paycheck with the same split as what everybody else on your team is making. And that's where almost everybody screws this up. Nate is that they take that money and they just put it in the company bucket and it's wrong because they have no idea if their company actually is profitable or not. The second bucket is their CEO salary, and they should be paying themselves a, a, a you know a, a seventy-five to two hundred thousand dollars salary, depending on where you're at, what you would pay any other CEO to do the job. And then there's your owner profit. And when people boast and they say I have thirty or forty percent profit, really they're taking that bucket of them in production and they're putting that in the in the company bucket, and that's not a real number because they have to pay themselves separately. Now I'm on a tangent. I'm going to settle down. Yeah, but I I. I I'm going to, I'm going to add on because I actually respectfully disagree, but I, we all actually agree. So first off, the first, 
first thing somebody needs to do is they need to read the book Profit First. Um, if you're looking to add on personnel, you read the book Profit First, and it's going to give you the steps in regards to how to not only build a profitable company, but um, be able to manage that scary aspect of your first hire. And actually, I mean, one of the things Profit First will tell you, it's not three buckets that you have. Uh, Profit First will tell you it's actually six buckets. So you have an incoming bucket of all commissions. You have your um, employee salary. So like, you know, for us, when $10,000 comes in, two grand goes in our, or, you know, 1500 goes in our employee salary. 2000 goes into my salary. Um, 46%, so 4,600 goes into operating account, 20% goes into a tax account. So, you know, if you read profit first, I think that that will really put anyone who's in the beginning stages of their business in a really good position in order to scale, which, which is where the original question came from. But also, this is something that I implemented last year. Um, and quite frankly, I had to implement it because I was like, I was actually screwing up and everything was going in one bucket. And all of a sudden it was like, holy crap, where did all, where did all my money go? And why am I broke right now? Right. Um, and, and, you know, using these processes and these type of systems, which again, goes to your original question, system scaling, all that. I mean, it's going to, it's going to make you feel a lot more comfortable when you are hiring additional people, when you do go out and spend that additional $1,500 for a platform cost, or, you know, you add on structurally in order to help complement, um, you know, leads that you're already purchasing. Like by following those type of systems, that's, that, that's ultimately, you know, where you will feel that comfort, I guess if you will. Awesome. Most, most important thing in the world, read the book Profit First. Like that, when I coached, that was the first thing I told all my coaching clients. Okay, I really look forward to it. Now you have to go out and buy this book Profit First. Let's discuss next call. Awesome. Like yeah, I think that covers kind of quite a bit about the the scaling process there. Um, I think I think this might be a good transition into the tech aspect of the of the webinar. I know some people have started to ask some questions, at least in terms of metrics and technology. Could we just get a start for your guys' tech stack? What what tools are you using today um, in each of your respective businesses? Jeff, do you want to go, go ahead? You are, you are I'll go, um, more on the I'll, I'll go last. I want to go last. Right. Jeff can go first. <laughs> I'm going first. All right. Uh, I, I somehow knew it was either going to be Eric or me. I mean, you know, but anyway. Um, our, our tech can be used. So Sierra is our engine, uh, Sierra Interactive, that is our CRM that basically runs everything. We do Google pay-per-click that goes to Sierra. Um, and then we have, uh, in the beginning of November, we added on Mylopo. It is something that I fought, fought, fought that I did not want to add on. And finally, I was like, I have to do it because it's that incredible of a product. Um, so Mylopo feeds to Sierra Interactive. Sierra is still our CRM that has our dialer, our automated follow-ups, I mean, you name it. Um, and then our insurance, I haven't added on the ISA piece because quite frankly, like I said, I've already failed twice. Um, and and I, I use structurally. I think I was probably one of your first clients if, you know, if, I don't know. Um, and if, if somebody was holding a gun to my head right now and said, you have to scale down to only two systems left, I will tell you that, um, Sierra, because you need a CRM. Like if you don't have a CRM, you will not be successful in real estate. Mm -hmm. And then structurally would be the second thing that would be like that, that I would not eliminate because it, it's 
it has become that integral of a piece of our of our company. So, uh, but really, I, I've worked really hard in order to scale down to three or four systems because I got sick and tired of going to Agent Legend. Sierra has the Agent Legend piece. I had um, another system that handled call routing. I mean, it was just it was fifty systems and I couldn't handle it anymore. So I've been in order to scale the business. Those are that that's what I figured out being the best like engine in order to to allow us to grow and scale so awesome so I'll, I'll talk eric from the lead conversion side and if you want to add at the end uh, on other pieces that we're using uh, feel free to go ahead I'll go okay yes you're gonna go last you just got out deed for for once by me um <laughs> so lead lead conversion uh we are using commission zinc um commissions inc's great features are it allows us to um organize our leads pretty well. Um, I will be frank, we are exploring switching to a different CRM for a multitude of reasons that I will talk to you um, at a different time about. Um, but the great thing about it is it does allow for us to create auto drip text messages and mass messaging. Um, therefore, for events, we can send out an a reminder for people to come to get a pie on pie day. We can do things like that. Also, all of our leads, we can set a um, set a plan and set it and forget it. Uh, I'm all about setting it and forgetting it because our brains suck. And if you try to remember everything, it's definitely not going to happen. So uh, we use that. We do a lot of auto text and drip text. I think we've sent over half a million texts and emails out in the last uh, five years, give or take. Um, so that's been killer. We also use Mojo to make our dials um, to use as the dialer. Um, that works pretty darn well. It's pretty reliable. Um, great quality. Um, commissions Inc. stuff wasn't up to par for us, so we use Mojo. Um, so those are our main tools. We also use Ring Central to route all of our incoming calls because um, we want to change who the calls go through. Um, it's super cheap, um, costs almost nothing, and in a switch of a button, I can change my call from going to Jeff uh, to going to Nate to Eric. That way, I don't have to go and take a lead phone and literally drive around town and give a lead phone to somebody. Um, it, it's super cheap and you can just transfer the phone. Um, so that's pretty darn well. Uh, so Ring Central, uh, Mojo. Uh, we also use Landvoice. Um, we're using Landvoice to get expired data. Um, basically, that's just a lead source for us. So those are the main pieces of tech. Um, and the, the big thing I'll say is this, and we've talked about it on the ISA radio, is you gotta have something that allows you to send drip and mass text. If you don't have that in the lead conversion game, you're gonna be irrelevant in the next year. Um, and then the final piece, the one that's, that, that we started using um, just a few months ago is of course, structurally with Nate. And honestly, we started sending, the first leads we put in there were absolute junk. So in my world, um, we have, three full-time ISAs and they crush it. Uh, so what we wanted to do is we took those old leads, we put them in there and, and it's found, it found three closings within, I, I believe it was the first 45 to 60 days that without a doubt would have slipped to the cracks and, and it re-engaged it for the ISAs. And again, this is the junk of the junk. My ISAs had scrubbed the heck out of it. And it, had, yeah, it, it was even, yeah, the compost file. It was actually even worse than that, Jeff. Like these people we had called easily hundreds of times with nothing, no text, nothing back, um, and, and structurally was able to re-engage a few of those for us. So um, structurally is a big piece that we're, we're integrating as we speak. Uh, 
The reason why it's important that Robbie and Jeff answer that is because I don't pay much attention to the tech. Uh, I pay attention True. to the people that know and understand the tech. And, and, mm -hmm. and as we talk about scalability, uh, we're at a point in my business that I couldn't have answered what Robbie just answered. And, and think about that. I, I'm the CEO. I'm the rainmaker. I'm the owner. I'm the namesake of our business. And yet I don't know all the tools that we're using. And uh, what, what has to happen, and I think that Jeff may be alluding to one of the issues that you maybe had with your ISAs, is that our ISAs for us are our managers, are our systemizers, are our high-level executives within our business. And in addition to that, they're also the grinders. And so we've been able to build uh, opportunities for leadership and for influence uh, because they're the most front-facing folks. And what happens, I, I don't know your story, so I'm just projecting here. But what happens with most people is uh, they'll be quick to hire an ISA and they'll treat them as the bottom of the totem pole, as the ones to go into to do the grinding. And we believe that our ISAs in our world are, are leveraging things on a really high level. I, I do want to add on as we talk about the right talent is you can have all the technology in the world, but if you have an idiot team member, it doesn't matter. Uh, and you can spend all the money you want on the best possible CRM on the right kind of things. But if the human that touches them is, uh, is, is mediocre, like it's, it's this whole huge issue. I'm going to go off on a tangent here. So everybody buckle up. Uh, those of you, uh, those of you that are with Zillow and we're with Zillow, I'm a believer in the Zillow platform because that's what the consumer wants. So we got to learn what they're doing. Zillow with premier agent four has changed a whole lot of things and they've changed it. So now, uh, Zillow is basically protecting it before they hand it off to make sure that somebody actually responds. And the problem that's happening is that they're protecting it. And that's the right thing to do because the consumer needs to have somebody that they talk to. Otherwise, it looks bad on Zillow. But when they hand it off, uh, they're handing it off to sometimes people that are mediocre converters. And then people blame Zillow and they blame the lead and everything else when realistically uh, they're – and don't get me wrong. There are issues with that platform. I am not endorsing nor negating that platform. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that we have not done a diligent enough job of teaching the people who are receiving these leads on how to be wonderful nurturers and caretakers of it. I'm talking ISAs. I'm talking Zillow people. I'm talking every one of you on this webinar or this podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. We have done a mediocre to piss poor job. This is the second time I've said piss poor now uh, at, at at handing this off to the right qualified people. So I, I do want to add to that as well, just just very uh, quickly. Um, as you said, we we are using Zillow and we have found success with it. Um, I am a huge fan of something they did roll out. I, I they just rolled out something called the um, first contact report, and basically what it does is it gives you metrics. When a Zillow transfers you a lead, they're now asking the client in very short questions to rate the experience and. I study this. I, I honestly look at it two to three times per day because it gives you, first off, it tells you where you're at, what your score is, and it tells you what percentage. Are you in the top 5%, top 10%, whatever the story may be. And what's been really cool to see is it's, it's given us a benchmark to know that we're providing good service, but we can get better. Um, so I love it. I, I love that piece that Zillow rolled out. I think it's a good tool to help hold us accountable um, to become better. So I'm a fan. Awesome. Jeff, did you have anything to add there? I hate Zillow, so. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I mean, look, the reason, the reason why I, I went from uh, Zillow, I was happy with them. And then, sure. I mean, look, I, I was buying Zillow leads when they sold, you know, quarter market shares and they had 200%. Sure. I, those were the good old days. <laughs> and then they went impressions and I was like, all right, I guess I'll play. I, I just, I got sick and tired of them moving the goalposts on me. Sure. Um, so I said, at Zillow in 2007, where were 2018? Yeah, 2017 was like 25% of my business. Um, I said, screw you. Um, when they tried to move it once more and they went to the, uh, I forget what they did. Uh, anyway, I said, I'm done. I'm tired of you guys. I want a partner in my business. I don't, I don't want somebody who just looks at me as how much, you know, water can they get from a, from a rock type thing. Um, and that'd be money for my bank account. Um, so I went to realtor.com. I was really happy with realtor.com last year. I think they were like 30, 28% of my business. Um, and obviously those numbers will continue to increase because, you know, we now have all those leads and we're, we're uh, working them. But then my renewal came up and my pricing went up threefold. And I was like, all right, we're in the same thing. And that's why in the beginning of November, I decided I'm sick and tired of portals. I'm going to go out and get my own leads. Um, and that's why I went to Wilopo. And, um, you know, I mean, I, you, you talk about the systems. My, my dream and what I'm looking at is Wailopo structurally in Sierra and everybody getting along and talking really well to the point where, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but you know, where I was talking to G and G's gonna use the structurally technology in order to send up text messages, artificial intelligence style to these leads because they looked at one, two, three Main Street. I mean like three times, you know, and, and, and just carefully nudge, I mean, it's a dream and it's all going to come together in 2019 and I am amped up and pumped and to go back to scalability that I have a system right now with those three systems that I have, four systems that I have that is truly scalable, which I'm excited about, but I'm not a solo fan. So. Mm -hmm. sure. I can say, Jeff, uh, we are working on a Sierra integration. So I know you've been asking <laughs> I, for it for a I while. <laughs> I think I asked you. I think at this point it's been monthly, but I think I'm going to start like bothering you weekly. And then when I start sending you an email daily, that's when you know that. Um, right. Because <laughs> now yeah, I start. Yeah. Calling. Yeah. <laughs> it's important. It's important. Getting your systems to talk to each other is is extremely important. I know. I know there have been some questions in here too about that. Um, well, look, I mean, I. I it, they don't right now, right? And and that I'm looking at it as an increased productivity, which. Awesome. Like I'm so pumped for it to increase the productivity even more. But I mean, I already said it, like structurally would be one of the last things that I'd ever cut because it is now an integral part of that business. And and you know, I, I mean I, I originally thought of of structurally as a way to bridge the gap before I got an ISA, right? Mm -hmm. Uh and what I've kind of realized is, is I am going to get an ISA. I am going to do it right. Robbie is going to train my ISA when I do get him. He is going to hire that ISA as well. Um, but even then, you know, these systems offer insurance. And that's kind of like Robbie was saying, where he sent out a half a million text messages in the last five years, right? The way I look at it is these automated campaigns, the, you know, structurally, for example, you guys just moved out to a year of contacts. Like this is all insurance. I'm spending all this money on this lead. You know, mm -hmm. for me to spend two dollars additional per lead in order to quote unquote insure that lead, it, it's kind of mindless, right? I mean, I get in my car, uh, you know, I, I just buy a brand new car. You know, let's just say I bought a brand new, you know, hundred thousand dollar Range Rover, right? I mean, what's the first thing I do before I drive it off the lot? I insure it. 
right? Let's hope. Like, I mean, that's just common sense. And so, yeah, let's hope. And and then I, you know, but like right now, we just we're buying these leads, and then we're just hoping and praying. Most models, I understand that yours is a little bit different, but most business models are just hoping and praying that your buyer agents are going to continue to follow up with these guys, and that's not the case, unfortunately. Anyway, right. No, that makes a lot of sense. It's it's honestly it's the reason why structurally is in business. Um, I will say it's been it's been really interesting for us as a company to see how different teams have been using our product. You know, we kind of started out saying this will you know for for those of you that don't have an ISA, and I know Eric will say, well, everyone has an ISA. If you don't have one, you are the ISA. Um, but um, that said, we kind of set out and said this this can replace your ISA structurally can replace your ISA. But we've been learning more and more is, well, it actually helps augment the role of the ISA. Uh, many teams that's, that are using us have their ISAs logging in. It's really just cutting through the crap, cutting through the filters uh, or filtering through the crap in um, really just surfacing the leads that are most worth their time. Um, mm -hmm. And really now it's kind of about fitting, fitting you know, fitting into the systems, the other systems they're using, like Sierra, like Commissions Inc., um, like their CRMs in lead gen, um, so that they can build their own systems on top of on top of those tech tools. So that well, leads me to, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. One piece there for people that are using structurally. You know, I, first off, it was fun. My team naming her. We didn't use Aisa. Ours is named Valerie. Um, Valerie Miller is her name. And, you know, one of the biggest tips and, you know, we're talking about these systems all playing together, but the, the person that they're the your lead pool that you have where, you know, we have 4000 leads in this lead pool, um, you know, originally it was called Chubb Realty Group. And that was like one of the dumbest things. And at some point I had an aha moment where I said, OK, I have this quote unquote person, Valerie, sending out these text messages. Why don't I just name my pool valerie miller as well and it was really dumb it was but you know you talk about minor tweaks to your business which can have a profound effect and it increased conversion where people will email and say hey valerie can i please take a look at one two three main street because now they're getting emails and then valerie's text messaging i mean it's just all these systems put together you need to work and, and intertwine it and one of the things that I'm going to do for 2019 is my automated voicemails. I'm going to have a woman record these voicemails and say that she's she's Valerie with the Chubb Realty Group. So that way I have automated voicemails, the text messages, as well as sending out emails. All of this is in our buyer lead pool and all it's doing is nurturing these leads. Um, you just, you know, just I, I wanted to throw that in there. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, I want to add to that as well real quick, because um, I, I agree. I love the insurance idea. I think it's really. Um, the way to view it in stage one, if you don't have an ISA, is it's it's qualifying insurance because that's really what it's doing for you, Jeff. Is it's taking it, qualifying it for you, cutting out the crap, and then you're handing it over to your agent. Um, for us, it's taking, because it's taking out the variability of an agent because some agents correct. are better than others, yes. and it's taking out that yeah. variable that is just the killer for us business owners. I mean, that's, that's yeah, exactly. So it's helping qualify more opportunities. Um, in our world, we're using it now, as you had kind of described, Nate, it, it's leveraging the ISA. It, it's augmenting the role of the ISA. That way we can focus on better um, dollar productive activities, um, aka um, the ISAs having that voice-to-voice -voice conversation with leads. 
And that's really where, where ISAs come in in terms of, uh, it's funny, you called it insurance. We've always referred to our ISAs as the best insurance policy in the world because they also then hold the agent accountable to make sure they do the things they're supposed to be doing once the lead has been handed off to an agent. Because we all know agents, as much as I love you guys, um, Eric says that the difference between a, uh, a hug and a, a chokehold is just arm placement. And with my agent, sometimes that's the way I feel is they do a lot of little things wrong. They let things slip through the cracks. And that's what our ISAs do full time is they don't just qualify leads, have great conversations with them, hand them over to the agent. They're paid in a manner that they don't make money unless things close. So they're gonna make sure to keep an eye, and I jokingly say ISAs are big brother, um, over the opportunities that they've created to keep eyes on the opportunities that they've created to make sure an agent isn't allowing one of their A contracted clients to not hear anything from anybody for 30 to 45 days. So they're not directly in involved in the you know relationship anymore with that lead or opportunity or contracted client because it's been handed off to an agent, but they sure as hell are the one that's checking in and holding the agent accountable to make sure they don't slip through the cracks. And is that because they get a percentage of that agent's commission? Yeah, exactly. They're paid, they're paid in a way that the majority of their money comes from the agent's commission. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Very so they are following up and making sure that lead is closing. Yeah, that makes sense. Correct. Because if they if they don't, they don't make as much money. It's it was the simplest thing that we stumbled into. Um, and then you have, of course, it, it, and really in terms of scale, that's this is how we did scale our company. Is it was myself and Jim holding our agents accountable now to be better versions of themselves, which doesn't cost any extra dollars, but it's doing more with less. Um, so that was when we really started to scale was living by principles. Um, one of the things we live by is cat squared. If you complete a task, you got to create a new task. So little things like that. That's awesome. Robbie, I know um, this probably is a, a discussion that would be an entire episode or webinar, but how much can you touch on, you know, your, uh, your lead flow system uh, within your CRM? Basically, how at a very high level how um how should your teammates be using these tools so yeah great question basically we have a a lead flow system that that we coach on and i could show you a picture of it but you wouldn't understand it unless we coach for three to four hours on it um but it explains how we treat every single lead most crms most companies have what i call leads lost in purgatory and we have none they don't exist in our world um, because we created a lead flow system. And, and I think there's a couple principles that I'd love to mention that kind of answer that for you, Nate, because um, mm -hmm. I could talk on it again for four hours. And it's really this, that you need to prioritize the way you follow up with different leads, aka you should call your higher quality opportunities before you call your lower quality opportunities, um, both in terms of contacted leads being separated from uncontacted leads. So basically in my world, my ISAs walk into the office and they have a literally eight point process of working down pools of leads of, I call this, I call this, I call this, and I call this, and I call this. And if I get down to eight, I say that again? That's all priority based, right? Priority it's based, all priority most based. Important. Exactly. 
And it's never, I'm going to call this from 1 to 1.30. No, it's you're coming in the office from 8.30 to 5, and you're working your way down the priority list. Um, so in other words, we're just prioritizing leads. That That is the biggest thing. Because if I said, Jeff, if you have an ISA, do you want them to make outbound calls to uncontacted property inquiry leads or um, uncontacted pay-per-click leads? You're going to say call the property inquiry leads first all day long because they convert at a higher rate. Now, I'm not saying ignore the pay-per-click force registration leads, but sure as heck don't call them before you call the higher quality opportunities. So it's all about and having a system that new opportunities that came into the company overnight or during the last like 24 hours or. Yes, that is, that. that is that is always, new leads are always number one, actually. <laughs> always number one priority is new leads. Right. And, and then after that, um, it goes it's into all the different pocket. pools. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, by the way, priority. Just, just to let you know, my wife just text messaged me and said he's good talking about you. So, so you know what you're talking about. I, I am kind of a nerd. I am wearing Star Wars. I don't know if you all can see this, but it's like Star Wars techie stuff. So, living up to the hype. Eric is embarrassed as hell right now, and I'm so proud of it. It makes me happy. That, no, that's awesome. I, I definitely think that if you guys are uh, willing, we can make that an entire episode. It's it's a huge, yeah. huge aspect of, of this. Um, that's that's mm-hmm. so important. Putting putting these tools and systems together. Um, that's mm-hmm. kind of at the core of your business. Um, I I kind of want to transition into one of our last questions here. Um, trying to wrap everything up. So I think we've basically discussed that. Um, you know. We've discussed different options on how to scale, different tools, different processes. Um, the way, or you know, one one piece of advice that I've always been advised is um, in thinking about scale. It's always important to find ways to automate processes that require human interaction. I think a lot of what we've been talking about has been just that. So, what are some places in your businesses that you guys have learned that you can re- recommend to others? What are some places it places that are prime opportunities for scaling. I I generally say this, uh, I'll talk about the lead conversion side. Basically, if if someone isn't a high quality opportunity um, and it doesn't need to be personalized, that's where it's super easy to use most of our CRM's automated messages that are sending out a generic message. Um, So we do that with um, a lot of our old leads. Um, we, We send them those automated messages every 45 days for example we we basically uh and jeff and i were talking about this earlier in the week we have we have a a pool of leads where probably 80 percent of all of our leads end up and it's called uh and maybe even more the compost pool and truly um if you think about what a compost pile is you'll understand why they go there basically it's everyone that is not a good opportunity to follow up with and it just goes into there and it's a compost pile and then what happens is it slowly turns itself around and opportunities come out of that because we use automated messages that go out starting six months later that say, hey, Nate, we had spoke a little while back and I, I know you weren't that interested in potentially making a move. Uh, just wanted to see if your plans have changed at all. And that's a text message. And some people respond, no, I'm never buying a house. Some people say, yeah, I need to buy a house today. Uh, I'm going through a divorce. And it, it it stimulates those conversations. So automating a lot of that is, is a key piece. Of course, we're now using some structurally stuff to help chase those leads as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I 
I feel like I should buy robot insurance because I, I have a little fear of things that are, are automated at too high of a level. Uh, understand that uh, I was able to build our business. Uh, we got up to uh, about 250 transactions a year simply based on Sphere. Uh, and then from there now with the 680, we'll close this year, half our sphere and half our purchase business pieces and using automation and, and using technology, uh, as a replacement for a relationship is really dangerous. Using automation and technology as an enhancement for a relationship is really great. And, uh, I, my, my, Biggest underlying fear, and it's it's shared with our real estate uh, team members, uh, is, is to transactionalize a great relationship, and for somebody to feel like we're trying to use them for the business gain or business growth that we have. And if we put them on a thirty-three touch campaign, or if we drip on them consistently, and it's it's lacking uh, that connection piece, um, and we're not enhancing our already relationship, we're trying to replace it. It's really dangerous. Um, people are, are parched right now, uh, for personal connection. If you want to connect with somebody, visit with them face to face, have a phone call, uh, send them a handwritten note, connect with them via text or connect with them via Facebook messenger emails and automated voicemails and those sorts of things for people that are in your inner circle or past clients can be almost detrimental if done incorrectly. Correct. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, uh, on that, I so the one thing that I always tell my buyers agents is, so I'll ask them, especially new buyers agents, great, and I'll ask you guys, what is the number one thing that so you're talking to somebody for the first time? What's the number one thing that you need to do on that phone call? If it's Probably, a new lead, uh, it's a brand new lead. Yeah, I, my number one thing I always try to find out is if there's a way, if there's a motivation that would allow us to help serve them get what they need, want, or desire. Is probably the simplest okay. way to put it. So, Perfect. I mean, I mean, in, in a, I say build rapport, which is just that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody's already ready, jumping to the point. Screw the appointment. Build rapport. <laughs> yes. Build rapport. Yeah. Right. And and you know what their dog's name is. And my, my wife did a call the other day. It was 22 minutes. This mm -hmm. woman was maybe on the you know line of crazy, but I'll tell you what. In that call, she figured out she had six cocker spaniels. Like I mean, every single thing about this person. And I played for my agents and like, do you see what she did here? All she did was build rapport. Like she, she placed it back to our St. Bernard that we have. We live in the town next over, like build rapport. Don't worry about them. She didn't even go for the appointment because she wasn't hundred percent ready. Mm -hmm. And you know, I mean, it's to Eric's point, like you have all this technology and everything, but technology can't build the rapport, right? At the end of the day, it's still human being interaction, interaction that builds that rapport and which ultimately ends up being, you know, to, Go, going back to the paycheck. Um, and, and I can, I have a machine, okay, a $10,000 machine that literally writes handwritten notes. And right now I'm working on a campaign of a hundred that, that, that will go out in the next, in the, in the next day. Because I mean, just do the things that every single other agent out there isn't doing. Um, but, but, you know, you guys are talking about the leads aspect. Something that I realized for myself, because I'm not on Eric's level yet, yet. Um, and um, I got so focused in the business that I stopped working on the business. And that's why I've literally just gone like this. And it's been a lot of pain. Um, you know, one of the we were talking about key hires and, and automation and people and technologies and systems. I, I hired a team leader. 
and, and the team leader has helped change the way that I've been running my business for the last two months where, you know, I'm not training the new agents. I'm not hiring the new agents. I'm answering big, you know, big level questions. And most importantly, I'm still in the business because my commissions, my income is helping fund the business and, and for growth. Um, and, and I'm back to actually following up and working with clients and doing things, what I'm really good at. Um, you know, I'm good at planning and building and helping people see the picture, but having other people help implement. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, I guess my biggest thing is, is what I would say is, is we're all wrapping up here, and I think this is a wrap-up type question, is, is, is look, at what, look at the problem in your business. What's the pinhole? For me, I was awful at recruiting. So I hired somebody in order to do that. I mean, if follow-up is what your problem is, figure out your follow-up system. If, if these are falling through the cracks, then, then look at augmenting you know, your technology with a system like Structurally or building out um, – you know, automated campaigns or heck, here's an idea of both. My automated campaign ties into the text messages that structurally is going out, which I have to redo because you just made it from a three month campaign to 12 month campaign. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, you know, like the, the, you know, the big thing when, you know, when I coach, the big thing is, is there isn't one size that fits all. And, you know, ultimately where I am is different where Eric is and we're different than where, you know, Brian Margolis, who actually is somebody who I used to coach, you know, we're all on different levels of our business. And, you know, it, it just you need to rather than asking and, and looking, hey, what is the next thing that I need to do? I think there needs to be some personal focus and, you know, a, a SWOT analysis or analysis of your business in order to, to figure out where is that hole? And then that's what you attack and that's what you fix. But anyway. I think that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, uh, one thing that I want to close with here. Are you guys getting an echo? A little bit, yeah. That's weird. Okay. Anyway, I think, it, I think it'll pass. One thing I wanted to close up with, uh, wrap up with was um, as a business owner of any kind, software company, real estate company, um, anything that's on your calendar, should be what you're best at in the world. No one, no one should be better at what you're doing on a daily basis um, than you. So that's just to say, I think that's just to say, you know, don't, you know, hire someone who's better at you than recruiting. Let it, let that fall on their calendar. Hire someone who's better at you than uh, follow up. Let that be on their calendar. Everything that's on your on your calendar as a business owner should be what you're best at. No one in the world should be better at that than you. So, hey, uh, Eric, Robbie, would, and and Andrew, all of you guys would love to have you as kind of a shameless plug on on our uh, mastermind, another level real estate mastermind. It's a Facebook group. So, if anybody who's watching this, obviously, if you're watching this, you, you kind of. Are than your average real estate agent we'd love for you to join um you know network with us and and really just kind of take real estate to a much better and higher and more professional level than it really currently is so um you know please stop by and, and, and join our mastermind group because uh, we'd love to have you eric we think alike <laughs> no that's a great group uh i know robbie just started a great discussion in there about old leads so kind of a great follow-on place uh, from some similar topics that we discussed on this webinar. Uh, definitely go I check that out. Because every time I have a script question, I put it on that group and then I'm hoping and praying secretly that he's going to answer and tell me exactly how I need to say it. So um, it's been helpful just in that aspect of it. So yeah. Awesome. I yeah. And it. definitely check out Le Leads Geeks too. 
that's uh, what Eric just posted. That's another uh, another group kind of led by uh, by Hatch Coaching and and these these great looking guys that we have on the webinar now. Uh, some fantastic discussions, um, really really great ISA tidbits in there as well as some leadership and team building stuff. Any closing thoughts, guys? No, I gotta use the restroom. Great speaking to y'all. That's a great. <laughs> A great <laughs> okay. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I agree. Thank you. All right. Bye. Take care, everyone.